So Brennan was just saying billionaires are good. If you want to elaborate on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, just because I said Snoop Dogg was cool, okay? Uh, <laughs> he's one of the good billionaires, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I just saw uh, Snoop Dogg is in a Dunkin' Donuts commercial talking about, like, Dunkin' Donuts' new, like, impossible breakfast donut sandwich or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. And then he's it's like, like that, that hey. That Al Pacino he- thing doing the Dunkachino. Yeah. Ad. But he's like, hey, guys, this... This Dunkin' Donuts breakfast sausage is totally plant-based. And you're like, are they trying oh, to yeah. are they trying to trick people into buying like vegan egg McMuffins because they think that there's weed in them? Right, yeah, sure. But the thing is it's like not even like the egg is real. It's still egg. <laughs> so it's not even like the, I don't know. I I I'm I'm so confused by that because like you either just go all out if you're going to introduce a vegan meat or you or you don't like you kind of lose you're gonna lose people who can't have the egg or the cheese that yeah you what do they s- call that they just call it a like ovotarian or yeah. something like are that? you telling oh, me yeah. you're not getting impossible bacon whoppers every every day of the week come on man uh i have, have tried, tried i have tried the, it the bacon the bacon <laughs> no you, yeah the, you just the, gotta the get the impossible bacon? whopper with with bacon on it for the best of both worlds you know <laughs> great yeah <laughs> i did try the impossible whopper uh on a road trip which was it was pretty good filling man that thing is huge it is Uh, it is substantive because it does not cook down like a regular hamburger would so it remains its full size (laughs) it is large it's a big boy it's good i haven't tried any of those uh like the impossible burger the uh what the beyond burger is the other big one they were doing uh shrimp they're doing like shrimp and pork and stuff now too which is really wild um I think it's supposed to be like the shrimp is like breaded or something like that. Um, it's not like, but could you imagine though if it was like a fucking jello mold of a shrimp or whatever? With like, <laughs> you gotta like pull the legs off and stuff. Uh, they put just little plastic legs on there just so you can just feel really like you're shrimping it up oh out my there. God, yeah. They squirt, they yeah. squirt the poop we're, in there just so. We're they- gonna, yeah, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna have all these. Uh, these news articles coming out pretty soon that like little pr- plastic shrimp legs are like making their way down into the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, yeah. You know, like hermit crabs nesting inside of like the plastic shrimp shells that uh, like impossible man. I do think uh, they could stand to improve the taste of the beyond burger a little bit. I think impossible burger is like super deceptive. It tastes just like ground beef. Um, yeah, Beyond Burger has kind of a funky taste, but you know it's like from where we've come, like ten years ago. Because I used to be like st- pretty strict vegetarian when I was younger, and it was just like those burgers were so fucking bad. Like the Morningstar, uh, oh yeah, yeah, burgers, Co- whatever. Corn, like, they're just made oh, out of mushrooms and stuff like that. So bad, <laughs> shit made me nauseous. Um, we've come a long way, but like we're, we we still we still got a little ways to go. But man, the, the Impossible Burger, if you could find it, which it's tough sometimes. Like a lot of restaurants are sold out. Shit's so realistic, it's nuts. All right, let's lead the fucking show back in. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I really feel bad. I don't know what the hell happened. All right, let's do this.
Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges. This is take two of part one <laughs> of our show because I completely fucked up. So uh, apologies to my co-host, Brendan. Hey, Brendan. Hey, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> hey, we're back. We're back. Oh, we're so we'll back in business. We will see if this works this time. And uh, joining us also to see if this works, uh, our old friend from Washington, D.C., and an expert on a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about tonight, Jordan Newell. Hello, Jordan. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've what already are the done chances? all these introductions. Technical issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's what's a nice guy like you doing in a shitty podcast like this? <laughs> I like you guys. I like coming <laughs> on the show. Don't think about it too hard. <laughs> well, so our last uh, the last thing that we did was we were talking about the uh, Democratic Party primary, but um, maybe what we could do this time in order not to curse it and try to do the same thing again, uh, let's talk about some. Uh, like Midwest news to to get us warmed up. Oh man! And then and then I, we can circle back around to that stuff. I, I would Brendan, love I know. To. Yeah, you've got you've got some good stuff there. Yeah. But- oh, actually, no. I I, I want to lead off though because um, I thought that this uh, these these photos of Beto O'Rourke at the Michael Bloomberg. Where, where were they? They were in uh, El Paso or something. Uh, just just hilarious. Uh, it, very very much a, as somebody on. Uh, Twitter commented, very uh, guy who got dragged to a thing by his wife energy. <laughs> I thought maybe he was just going there to ask him for money. He's got that like campaign debt or whatever. And he's like, <laughs> right. Bloomberg, you're throwing campaign cash out like crazy, you know? Um, yeah. You know, uh, Beto's got, you know, he's he paid like $20 million in Google Stadia ads because he thought it was going to be big and uh, you know, now he's, <laughs> he's just stuck foot in the foot in the bill. No, I don't know. Uh, yeah, but like, why was, does why he, is, is he supporting Beto... Bloomberg? He didn't say anything, right? No, he didn't. I, I don't believe he, and, and in fact, just a fan. Uh, he, just opposes a fan. Him. he opposes him. Yeah, he, he opposes him. And, and there was some video of him <laughs> he went, he hate, went saying, to the rally. He went to the rally to hate on him. Yeah, he's just he, in the he, audience going like, boo. <laughs> he, <laughs> he hate attended. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's calling out. He's calling out that Bloomberg just bought his way into the race. So it's kind of what like, a right. Gen X move right there to <laughs> fucking go to the Bloomberg rally and then just stand there, you know, cross-fisted like this is bullshit, man. Right. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't look like he's having a great time. They didn't let him bring his skateboard. <laughs> yeah, there was there were fucking, no platforms for him to stand yeah, on. He should have protested. You know, he should have fucking thrown like a, a a pile of money. I don't know what would you throw at Bloomberg to be. You know, throw like uh, you know, mops from the subway cars. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> mop, no, no, mop just, water just from... take it. Just classic. Just go back to like cabbages and like rotten tomatoes and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know. Bader just throws a tomato right at uh at Bloomberg <laughs> while he's he's giving his speech. That would have been badass, man. And why not? If, even if he would have interrupted, like just called called him out, just interrupted and yelled. People would have filmed it. People would have seen it was him. He would have got, people would have like really rallied behind him. Who knows what, yeah. what might have come of or, it? Or you know, a riled up Bloomberg audience might have just rioted and murdered Beta O'Rourke. You never know what <laughs> yeah. what that what the Bloomberg crowd is up to. They're a unpredictable the Bloom- bunch. Bloomberg well, bros, you know, they're uh, so toxic. You know, I, I mentioned it. I mentioned it on the show a couple of weeks ago that uh, Bloomberg ads are running like crazy here in Texas, but. 
I have not heard a single person talking about how it's like, oh, this Mike Bloomberg guy seems like he's got good ideas. Yeah. You know, it's he's, almost he's like when thing. your name is synonymous with a with a television media company that there's just no downside to just running a bunch of ads plastering your name all right. over news channels. <laughs> yeah, totally. Genius move. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Jordan, you you follow electoral politics. Like, how is this working for Bloomberg? Do do you have a good sense of that? I mean, he's buying his way up into the polls. Um, he he is just clearly targeting people who vote based on name recognition um, in states that come a little bit later in the process. So we'll see the big uh, introduction of Bloomberg into primaries probably Super Tuesday. I just think it's garbage. Him and Steyer, like it's ab- it's absolute garbage that they're doing this. But the one funny thing I've been thinking about is, so Bloomberg is, is doing this, and he's rising in the polls a bit, and he's coming in on Super Tuesday. He is on a collision course with fucking Mayor Pete because of anyone yeah. who shares bases, it's those two. He's targeting yeah. moderates. He's targeting never Trump Republicans. They both are doing this. Pete is going to be desperate for for delegates on super tuesday and bloomberg is going to come right in and just split the vote and just yeah. fuck over pete which is just poetic justice for the guy <laughs> who, who tried to run uh, and curry favor with billionaires that a billionaire comes well, in and just fucks you over well what do you what do you say sorry brennan uh, what do you say we circle back around to that for uh segment two um, sure, man. because we are going to talk about the democratic party primary uh, which is a conversation we've already had. Again, my apologies, uh, but <laughs> but let's uh, let's stick to these other news articles that that Brennan had, and then uh, yeah, we'll we'll come back around to yeah, Bloomberg, Mayor Pete, uh, Warren, yeah, all Democratic the people, party rat fuckery, all yeah. the people who are going to win for sure, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, man, before we before we careen over into uh, the raucous Iowa caucus. As they call it, uh, we have. I have to talk about Nebraska this week because Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts has been on a roll this week. Um, he is. Uh, he's starting those you know Twitter flame wars just on the regular, um, on, on the wrong side of every fucking issue, like he always is. Yeah. So he 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 started off earlier in the week with this choice tweet. The big marijuana industry grew to $13 billion last year, and marijuana lobbyists are eagerly looking to cash in on new markets. They're pouring big money into shaping public opinion on marijuana. And I don't like it, yep. <laughs> he goes on to say. Right? You yeah. almost think like he's leading into me like, and Nebraska is going to fully take advantage of all that sweet, sweet cash yep. to improve. Yeah. Uh, no, he was like, and we must stop it at all costs. <laughs> I will pour my own billions into fighting this for no reason at all other than, I guess, a lot of his base maybe doesn't like weed. I, I, well, I just shit, can't man, even I mean, imagine we, yeah, the we, motivation. We talked about that last week that – Yes, if you pull people a straight up or down, should marijuana be legalized? Maybe in Nebraska, it's like 60, no, 40, yes. But how much do they care about that? And also, like, if you made a strong argument that, like, this would be good for our economy, like, does that does that move the needle on that? Does does them being opposed to it move the needle on who they're going to vote for anyway? Probably not, is my guess. 
Um, and in in some instances, I, it, which is, might be the case in Nebraska, like in Ohio, <clears throat> they voted on it several years ago, but people voters shot it down because the setup that Republicans had concocted was a handful of wealthy people. We're right, going to be the only people that can control it. Like Nicholas Shea was one of them. That was the most <laughs> insane stuff. Yeah, where they were yeah. like, "We're going to let three people like run a monopoly or what, or like a triopoly or whatever." Yeah, uh, on the marijuana industry, and it's like, what? How is this even possible that anyone could propose you know such a ridiculous regulation and not just immediately be like, "What are you ridiculous? Like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard." Right. Uh, it, absolutely insane but yeah he uh yeah he goes on to say uh, yeah nebraskans shouldn't be dazed and confused by these well-funded oh. salesmen because marijuana is illegal well that's been his big objection to the whole thing right and you see the same thing in texas that like they will cite federal law and say like no it's it's still a schedule one drug federally therefore this is bad for states ignoring I guess selectively that a lot of other states have legalized it for recreational use and the federal government has not been running like massive raids in Colorado or Oregon or wherever. I, I don't know why. I mean, if you look at it from a purely cynical perspective, why wouldn't states be rushing to do this? You know, this is where it's going to end up at the end of the day. This is what's going to happen. Why not just if you're a Republican, why not get in on the ground floor and try to get in and get an advantage? Because then you could build out if you get an infrastructure going in your state. If the neighboring state like legalizes it, your donors would be quick to just jump into the next state and capitalize there. Right. Or at least just like see, you know, where it's going and just say, okay, well, as a Republican, if I'm concerned about whatever, you know, I think marijuana is bad or whatever, you know set up some sort of, you know, regulatory framework or whatever to say, oh, it you know, it has to be blah, 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 whatever. They don't even bother to do the work to do to achieve what their stated goals are. They just instead say, like, we just shouldn't do it. And it's like, well, you could, that's not a that's not going to be up to you, man. You can't just be like, nah, <laughs> when, you know, everyone around you is doing it. Um, it, it gets a little bit more ridiculous, especially when it's clear that it's definitely going to be federally legal probably within the next 10 years i I, yeah i don't know yeah something like that sure but uh yeah you've got uh you've got cara eastman running against don bacon in the nebraska second at this point and she is 100 percent in favor of uh decrim and legalization i mean the Uh, numbers on like the polls like i just keep going up i mean it's like 80 percent of people think it should be legal nationwide or whatever so yeah Yeah, yeah, totally it's crazy but yeah he uh he then one-upped himself a couple days later uh, by having his official governor's office account tweet a quote from an anonymous editorial in a small-town newspaper Nice at a Norfolk. <laughs> it was a, the public pulse, the fucking weird mouth-breathing people who yeah. write into the public pulse <laughs> in the Omaha right. World Herald. So, you know, felt, felt fit that the official governor's, you know, Twitter account needed to copy paste a quote from a small town newspaper editorial, uh, which says there are valid business focused arguments for why those believe that laws protecting gay people are not needed in Nebraska does not go on to state what those valid business reasons might be. Yeah. (laughs) 
uh, but just asserts, hey, you know, people say that we're bigots, but there are valid business reasons not to want a law to protect against people who get fired solely for being gay, you know? Well, the valid business reasons are if you're a bigot and you run a business, then you could be sued by somebody. Those are the valid business reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a what an amazing uh, message. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, as if you could not be on more wrong, you know, where he's coming out and saying, look, you know, I, I'm no fan of uh, bigotry, but... Uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it's all about the Benjamins. Some, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just got to take the side of the bigots. Yeah, yeah. People keep coming in to your coffee shop being like, I think a gay might work here. <laughs> right. No, thank you. Uh, uh, I, and I'm leaving, you know. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, you just so you just got to do the discrimination. You know, that's right. just how business works in Nebraska, yep. I guess. Um, but this uh, had a, a, a an unintended impact because it caused the Nebraska Chamber of Commerce to uh, begin supporting the law. So they had not signed on to supporting the legislation. But then when Ricketts came out, you know, against it, they were just like, oh, actually, no, we do think that that would be a good idea. We we should not let, let we should not be letting our businesses say, oh, no, I fired all those gay people. Not for bigotry reasons, but uh, just for money. Um, yeah, that's why I fired. And then be like, well, I guess that, that I guess that's okay to do. Um, so yeah, strange, strange bedfellows here in Nebraska. That kind of that reminds me, and I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on this episode about the uh, the impeachment trial going on. But did you guys see Alan Dershowitz uh, making the argument that? As long as the president thinks that whatever he's doing is in the public interest, then it can't possibly be a like an illegal quid pro quo. I mean, it went even further than that because what he essentially said was anything that the president does is by definition in his own self-interest. Right. And because – no, no, no. no. No, it's not it's it's not in his own self-interest. It's anything the president does is in the public interest because the president, anybody who runs for office is always going to believe that whatever they do is in the public interest, especially right. when it comes to their own re-election. Oh yeah, it's the most circular shit ever. It's like whatever Trump does is good for America, even if it looks like it's bad for America, it's good for America because he said so. And because he said so, then it's good for America, and because it's good for America, then it can't be corruption, right? It's it's pure altruism. Yeah. Well, it's um, the same circular logic for the justification of torture. It was America doesn't torture people, so what we're doing in Guantanamo Bay isn't torture because we don't torture people. Sure. Yeah, no. And, and that at, makes perfect at a certain sense. Point, at a certain point, they're going to be rounding up the uh, uh, the Jordans, Yule, the, the Kens, Klippenstein, uh, and saying, like, you know, like these people are against the public interest because they're making the government look bad. Or whatever. I mean, that's that's the natural extension of that line of reasoning. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. I will say, however, that I'm in favor of rounding up Ken Klopstein and Jordan Yule, <laughs> and and taking them to a concert. Uh, Surprise! Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, it was just going on a fun road trip or whatever. Yeah, oh, it's like true. you know when the when the CIA puts you into one of those black sites and then they like play um, like Metallica or whatever at like a you know a hundred decibels or whatever <laughs> yeah. to torture you. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a fun time. It's a very exclusive show. Yeah, like it would backfire. Like you can't break me with this. <laughs> like like I make, making requests. <laughs> right. Jordan Yule dies in Guantanamo Bay, not because of torture, but because of uh, head trauma from head banging. Yeah, I just don't want to leave. I'm I'm enjoying it too much. They, they right, want to yeah. go home. <laughs> All right, let's take a break there, fellas. I, I will try not to lose our recording this time. Yeah, let's very carefully. Fingers crossed. Week when someone by the name of Hillary Clinton said that nobody. We're not gonna boo. We're not gonna boo. We're classy here. No, we're no, classy. I'll boo. Boo. I, you all know I can't be quiet. No, we're gonna boo. That's all right. The haters, the haters will shut up on Monday when we win. There we go. I was going to So say- over the break, uh, Brandon asked me whether I could see Hillary uh, being asked by Bloomberg to be his VP, which which made me think, who of any candidate do you see could could you see asking her to be their VP and what yeah. what mysterious cause of death Will they die from three three months into their term? <laughs> Could you imagine, you know, the United Hillary Bernie ticket? Oh uh, my god! <laughs> no, no, that's like the one I can't. Suspiciously hanged in a uh, in a jail cell is a thing that you can only do with uh, a certain set of yeah. people. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Joe Biden. I don't, I don't know that Warren would do it. That's maybe too much power suit for one campaign that's what everybody's speculating though that uh like biden and warren will join up in wonder twins kind of style yeah yeah Yeah, the the neolib voltron i could have seen it with kamala but she she dropped out um yeah i think it would have to be biden biden i think he could do it yeah he seems like a, a, a hillary person but then, so yeah, three months into his term, he's going to, you know, die by suicide and also put the gun away. <laughs> right. He just, yeah, dies in like a Fast and the Furious road race or something <laughs> yeah, like that. just explodes. No trace <laughs> whatsoever. He does like a Paul Walker, yeah. It's like, yeah, Joe, Joe Biden's Lamborghini spins off the road or whatever. You're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's been everybody's speculation, though, about um, like if... Uh, if Warren ended up being Bernie's VP, I don't know that that's going to happen uh, anymore. Which, yeah, that shit may be. No, I, I'm not sure that it could happen anymore. But say it did happen, you know, people are talking about how it wouldn't be Warren who called the shot. It would be like the CIA. They'd use their heart attack, heart attack gun, make sure that he died like in the first couple of weeks, and yeah. she became president. I mean, she's the hawk they want. So. Yeah, <laughs> to some extent. And then the Democrat just just runs on like war with Iran. Yeah, they were like Trump couldn't get the job done. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was weak. While we're on the the topic of the primary, Brendan, tell us again the story about uh, you and Chuck went to a Bernie rally over in uh, Council Bluffs, right? It is kind of amazing to look back and Bernie was coming around in 2016 and we just thought like, who is this guy? Like, why is he even bothering to run against the Hillary machine? You know, like the machine, nobody yeah. else even wants to get into this race. Like what? Who is this guy? You know, I think it might be a Larry David bit. <laughs> 
is this guy for real? Uh, yeah. And so now it's like that 2016 campaign, you know, it just kept that ground game rolling. And, uh, you know, we were talking about if you just look at, uh, you know, the Bernie app with all the campaign events and donations and everything going on. Uh, it, <laughs> did you see that there was another map where it was like, here's the most Googled candidate by every state. And it was just a hundred percent Bernie. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> every single state. He's uh, he's the most Google searched candidate. I really love that uh, every time uh, like a Bernie supporter gets a good dunk in on one of these, uh, like the the nearest Tandon or the the Tom's Watson uh, or whatever, um, there's always a follow up link. Like, here's where you can donate. Here's where you can volunteer. You know, there's 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 an online ground game going also for him. Yeah, there was uh, like Chris Matthews or whatever who was like, Bernie wouldn't push you out of the way if a bus was going to run you over or whatever. Uh, like, <laughs> what the hell was he even talking about? It was ridiculous. And then so I know her and that story came about is because so she was a student at the law school where I used to work a couple years ago in D.C. So when she posts that on Facebook, I asked her, like, hey, can I put this on Twitter? So I screenshotted it and put it on, on Twitter, and it took off. So oh, people yeah. wrote about it because I knew her and posted it. So though that is now you. So I'm like, so I, you guys, I, you, I'm, I, I can talk about this. So yeah, she was, she was saying like, oh, she was like, oh, I was about to step into, you know, in front of a bus or whatever. And some guy was like, oh, hey, watch out. Yeah. And I turned around and it was Bernie fucking yeah. Sanders. <laughs> I remember messaging. So I, I, I know someone on his video team. I was like, hey, do you guys want to push this at all? And he was like, no, you know, we'll just let good good deeds just go. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to tweet it just in case. Wow. And now we're right. like literally using it to defend his character. It's like those uh, those Reddit memes about Bill Murray. You know, it's like, Bernie Sanders saved me from walking in front of a bus. <laughs> and then he whispered in my ear and said, no one will ever believe you. you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. I was like, oh, no, where's my keys? And he was like, uh, did you check your backpack or whatever? And <laughs> right. Like, who was that old? Who was that kind old man? How did he know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we've come so far. Now Bernie is uh, is looking primed to uh, looking strong. Do pretty well uh, in the election. Uh, you know, unlike last time, where he lost by a ridiculous margin of like point <laughs> zero two percent of the vote. Landslide. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, when he was a, a virtually unheard of, you know, figure before the primary campaign and, and 2016. So now uh, he uh, is a sustained powerhouse. It is it is unbelievable. I'm actually kind of glad that we lost uh, our initial recording on this, because one of the things I wanted to bring up that we didn't have time for was uh, I, I want Jordan's perspective on what do you think about. Uh, both the super delegates, but also mm. the people who have been put into high level positions for the DNC to determine like what the policy platform is, what the like what the rules of this primary are going to be. Yeah, does not look good. I mean, right off the bat, that list of names does not look good. Yeah. I saw a couple threads compiled of everyone's ties to, like, old moneyed interests, corporate interests, special interests, old DNC people. And some of these people are, like, they're they're old names, right? Yep. I mean, Podesta, Barney Frank. Barney Frank, who should fucking know better. I mean, just trying to imagine what the reaction would be is if, like, let's just say, let's just say for the sake of the argument that, like, you guys are 
you know, you guys run our evolution or something like that. And you have spent the past three months attacking, let's say, Elizabeth Warren. That is actually my job. <laughs> if they put, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what real. Let's just say you, they put you guys on those committees. Imagine the outrage. The people would be like, wow, these misogynistic Bernie bros on, the, on these committees are going to try right. to take this away from her. But no, instead we have people who openly hate Bernie, like uh, Bakari Sellers, who openly hates a candidate. And you're putting yeah, him on yeah. char- in, in charge of a committee. Is Debbie Washerman Schultz and stuff still on there? I'm sure she is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's but yeah, I mean, didn't the they scenes. get didn't they get rid of the super delegates though? I mean, at least that's one good thing. They can't I mean, kind of. They, yeah, they, they kind of did. It was like the super. I, I, Jordan probably knows more about this than I do. I'm sure the I new committee can fix super, that mistake. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the super thing. super delegates only kick in in the second round. Mm-hmm. So it's Which like Calvin Bernie's got to get fucking fifty percent. In the first round, and then in the second round, the superdelegates kick in. But all the superdelegates are people who are Democratic Party, like, hangers-on. So, of course, they're going to go for maybe whoever came in second, which is probably going to be, I don't know, Liz Warren. It might be Pete Buttigieg uh, in in Iowa, it's kind of looking like. Yeah, they're all in on Iowa. Their their approach, from what I could tell, was just go all in on Iowa and hope that momentum carries you in other states, which does not now, it does not look like that's going to work out. Uh, unless they win by a landslide, which does not look like it's going to happen in Iowa, they were hoping that momentum would carry them in New Hampshire, which does not look like, it's, like it, it looks like that's just clear cut for Bernie now. Nevada is a toss-up. Right, yeah. It's, it's like 55%, and then everybody else has like 15% of the share of the yeah. vote or something. And then once it gets to South Carolina, it's probably Biden, and because of Pete's lack of, of, of black support, but that firewall could come down, making inroads really only for Sanders. They're not going to Pete. Then going into Super Tuesday, right. like we, I don't remember if this was the first cut or the second cut but at one point tonight we talked about bloomberg <laughs> coming in and fucking over pete uh because that's when he and steyer come in right so pete's going to be desperate for, for, yeah. for uh delegates and he's probably not going to get them because those are going to be primaries when you have the billionaires in pete definitely has a tough road i mean if he does like third or or fourth or you know, if he's like getting Klobuchar numbers in in Iowa, uh, that's definitely going to make it tough for him to push through the rest of the race because that he's the Midwestern guy, right? He's out there tweeting like, "Yeah, I've had enough of East Coast elites <laughs> yeah. or whatever." You know, when I was at Harvard, they told me to say that, and it would sell. I was reminded recently that uh, Howard Dean, when he had his like big scream moment, the scream moment. Wasn't because he had just won in Iowa. It was because he had just come in third in Iowa. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, baby. Which is uh, that's uh, that's kind of yeah. sad, actually. A question for Jordan. Then we see in a lot of the the commentary yet that Bernie Sanders is doing well in uh, the Midwest states, particularly ones that Trump won by maybe like thirty thousand votes or whatever. He's doing well in California. He's doing well in New Hampshire, but he's not doing well in the South. Joe Biden is the only person who can win in the South because of the black support there, right? Like black people do tend to love Joe Biden. And uh, for whatever reason, it's probably for my money, it's probably residual 
Uh, yeah, he was he was Obama's VP, like, right? He was Obama's VP. The Democratic nominee is not going to win the South in the general election, right? Like, no, nobody. I mean, do these people actually think that like Joe Biden's going to win Alabama right. when it comes to the general? Yeah, no. The only, the exception being Florida, but head to head polls show Sanders kicking trump's ass in florida uh and per- outperforming uh, uh biden so we could see um yeah that might help for the primary purposes but like the way things are going now bernie has had like over at least or over 50 paid staff in california for like several months and for a while the top yeah other opponent was like biden with three so like that explains like Bernie's polling in California, huge delegate state. They're neck and neck in Texas. So it might get to a scenario where like those states might be immaterial compared to these other these other bigger states with more delegates. Um, Right. Right. Because Iowa is first. But when you when you start to look at other states, then the number of total delegates you get is very small compared to California, you know, and um both of them are like proportional share states, right? So if Bernie and Biden both do very well, you know, they could be having, you know, both very high numbers. And I mean, then you get people talking about everybody's uh, favorite throwback topic, brokered convention, y'all. Oh, that's- <laughs> oh, and then God. that's where that stuff comes into play with all the who's on the committee to yeah. set the rules for the brokered convention. And it's looking like definitely some uh, very Biden-friendly uh, <laughs> team being assembled. I think that's their, their strategy. I'm looking down ballot also, right? So I, I think it's possible, uh, in fact, probable that Bernie Sanders could take the Democratic nomination from Texas, right? But I don't think that the electoral votes from Texas are going to go to Bernie Sanders. I think that, you know, it's a it's a winner-take-all state. Probably Texas will go Trump again. But when Beto O'Rourke ran for Senate here uh, against uh, Ted Cruz, he obviously did not win that senatorial race. But... What you did see was a huge blue turnout for local and state elections. And all of a sudden you've got like, you know, like Antifa judges <laughs> in Houston and stuff like that. You know, that's that's not a joke. Like there's an actual judge in Houston who identifies as being just like openly Antifa. We need to get this person a Judge Judy style show. This is a genius idea. We need to get this fucking person <laughs> on the show at yeah, least. We need to start a new podcast <laughs> with them called Antifa Judge. But my point is that like even in even in like safely red states or what used to be safely red states, if you have a Democratic nominee for president that actually motivates people to get out and vote maybe you'll see even more of that kind of thing. Even if you're not going to win Nebraska, even if you're not going to win Kansas, even if you're not going to win Texas, those same people are coming out being excited about the nominee and they're voting Democrat or progressive or fucking Antifa down the board. That ground game and stuff matters, right? Like that crowd rallies, you know, having events, having an engaging, exciting campaign, having volunteers, having small dollar donors, you know, all that stuff matters when 
you're going into that situation for sure. If we get to a brokered convention, this is something. <laughs> I, oh my god! It's gonna dude. be the biggest mess in the world. It, oh, dude! Watch how pissed people get. We're gonna see factions break off. Oh, this is gonna be the the end of the fucking yeah, Democratic a, Party dude, f- if they try to. I mean, it was already I, a little want... dicey at the last one, and that wasn't yeah. even really like a brokered convention by any right. stretch, right? Because of the super delegates. Totally, totally. I want Trump to get out of office more than anything. Like, I want him out because he's a fucking fascist. So, like, that is my baseline because I feel like whenever we have these conversations about discontent in the Democratic Party, people will always use that line as a cudgel to beat you back and, like, shut you up. Like, well, uh, I guess you don't, yes, you want four more years of Trump. It's like, no, I want Trump out and I also want the Democratic Party to be better. But if they fuck over Sanders, if he's like the front runner going in, he has the most delegates, but not enough. And then a brokered convention happens or occurs and they just fuck him over and give it to Biden or someone that will just like lead to depressed turnout among like younger voters or even just the general populace at large. Fuck them. They like dig. They dug their own grave. I At that point, just like we have to talk about starting a third party. Because we yeah, have to start, right. start talking about a multi-party system because f- fuck them forever. The One of the worst things about Biden is like in some ways when when you look at it and the way he's running his campaign and stuff, it's like, well, what is he actually going to do, right? Like he's not right. for Medicare for all. He's for Obamacare, which is like it already kind of exists, right? And like Trump didn't even totally get rid of it. He kind of messed with it a little bit or whatever. And maybe it's like, oh, you bring some of that old Obamacare stuff back. You know, you bring stuff back to where Obama was. What have you accomplished? You know what I mean? Like you you haven't you haven't done anything. Yeah. He's not running a campaign that is fighting to accomplish anything. Even at the same time that he's running and saying, "Well, I can get stuff done because I can work with a Republican Congress," which is is total nonsense. I mean, not only is that not ever going to happen because Republicans won't work with anybody, you know, they won't vote for Obama's health care plan, even though it's Mitt Romney's health care plan. Uh, while Mitt Romney's running for president, if the Republicans aren't going to vote for that, they're not going to vote for whatever dumb shit Joe Biden proposes. That's like my my tagline on fucking Twitter these days is like, yeah, OK, maybe we can beat Trump in this next election. But if the person we elect in the next election doesn't do things that materially help everybody, what we're looking down the barrel of is like Dan Crenshaw Nikki Haley ticket in 2024 (laughs) right because like everything's going to be terrible still you know we can't go back to the fucking Obama status quo because that's what lost the election to Trump so if you want to go back to do that like the next time we just get we get a competent fascist not instead of you know like Donald Trump is one of the best gifts that's ever been given to the progressive left because, yeah, he's horrible, but also he's incompetent and like, uh, like disgusting, like wet sponge who's like oozing right. incompetence. Right. Like George time. Bush hid his fascism behind good home Christian values and Trump doesn't even right, bother. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what the fuck are we going to do? You're going to you're going to impeach Donald Trump. And then we get President Mike Pence, who believes all of the same shit, except he knows how to do politics. That's not better. That's worse. The blessing in disguise with Trump is that he 
gave us an opportunity to talk about populist issues. So he gave us that breathing room to acknowledge that, yeah, the system is not working. This guy is clearly not the person who's going to address those issues. He's a fraud. He spoke to those issues a little bit, which helped him get elected, but he's not going to do anything about it. So we see that disconnect and the discontent among the, the, the voter base. Why would you turn around and ignore them, which is what the Democrats want to do because they're in, like insistent on this standard status quo approach where they just you know continue to write people off and, and boil down to a few big cities and thinking that's a winning strategy in the long run, which fuck them. Yeah. But you know that's what Sanders is doing, and that's why Sanders is so successful. So as we talked about earlier, this uh, this line of attack that Sanders isn't a real Democrat, nobody fucking cares outside of like Beltway uh, brain people. Yeah. In fact, most people think that's a strength. Exactly. So when you have Biden in 2019 saying to rich donors, nothing is going to fundamentally change, that should be a huge warning sign right. to voters. Yeah. Do right. not trust this guy. He does not care about you. That's what I've been trying to like articulate to people like the Democratic Party establishment only cares about the preservation of power. They do not care about you. They do not care about your issues. They will, you know, blow smoke up your ass when it comes time for an election maybe do some stumps in your area if you're lucky unless you live in like michigan or wisconsin but at the end of the day they don't give a shit they're they're beholden to special interests and corporations they don't care about you but sanders has for years for decades and some people see that as some sort of weakness which is beyond me but they do not care about you so fuck them well, I think that's it. I think that's the end of the segment. I, 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 I don't think we can do any better than that. That fuck you can only mean it's time for the high note. <laughs> yeah, it's time, it's time for the high note. So, uh, yeah, thank you, Jordan, for, for that last word on the topic. Um, we're going we're gonna to try a thing again that we uh, had tried before um, the last time we had Jordan In the pit, pit all uh, on the show. Uh, and then we had recording issues that time also so um, but we do actually have a musical guest on the show Um, this is King and Queen of the Losers with their single Jean-Luc Godard I like Jean-Luc Godard you just don't like movies but we agree that there's no heaven
so for the high note this week, um, I'm really hoping, you know, Bernie does well in this caucus and I can just say that, uh, this, that's the high note. Uh, that's it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, this was a, this was a tough week for me for sure. Um, one of my, you know, I watched the Sabrina, the teenage witch season three. Uh huh. Um, where she becomes the, the queen of hell, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to do it. Sure. You got to become the queen of hell. Um, she's like part-time, she's like part-time queen of hell, part-time, yeah. uh, cheerleader. Um, well, it seems like they, hell would more or less run itself. They introduced a lot of really unnecessary musical numbers. <laughs> huh. Uh, they would just, uh, they would just break into song occasionally, um, it was it was weird. It was okay. Is it but a thing also, that existed on that show before, like musical nope. numbers? Nope. Huh. I think uh, I think the Sabrina girl is trying to like uh, get an album deal or something like that. Yeah. So she was like, she was like, all right, if in order for me to sign with season three, you have to have me as like featuring in several musical numbers to hype up my my upcoming sure, album. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, good. But for yeah. Her. It was. It's a definitely a weird show because uh, you know they'll do like a cheerleading uh, like musical number, and then they'll just like uh, murder everyone in satanic rituals or whatever the <laughs> next scene. And you're like, who is this for? Who is this? Se- yeah. Who is this show for? Um, it's a weird. It's a weird show. But uh, <laughs> there's nothing else like it uh, on television. Hardcore uh, Satanism. Um, if you're it, into the Satanism, so that's. It, I thought that was part of the uh, like the extended Riverdale universe, right? Where they like took Archie is, and made it all yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely on the, in that same vein. Okay, but are they are they related? Because Sabrina was an Archie character. They talk about Riverdale. They haven't had like a full crossover, but give it time. Yeah. Once Disney buys Netflix, uh, it's happening. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, it, it does look like fun. I've seen the the trailers on Netflix. Okay, cool. So Bren, Brennan's uh, Sabrina. Mine, mine is a much more uh, real world, and it's it's not. It may not be the like the highest of high notes, uh, but this is a a little bit of a saga that happened between uh, Elizabeth Brunig. Which uh, I believe she listens to the show. So hello, Liz. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, some dipshit named Chris Jacobs. Uh, <laughs> I I'm not going to encourage you. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to encourage you to harass him at Chris Jacobs HC <laughs> on Twitter. But that's his uh, his Twitter handle. So uh, Elizabeth posted about how. Um, moving from one job to another, she didn't have healthcare coverage. And um, Chris, who apparently works for like one of the big healthcare companies, decided to be like, "All right, you bimbo! Like it's it, you know, <laughs> come on, you, you silly, you silly bent. It's it's super easy to like make sure that you have healthcare coverage." And went on. For, uh, I'm not going to count them, but I'm going to say probably like 12 to 15 tweets. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's so easy to navigate the healthcare system. Let me show you in this thread, one of 26. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So a mom, uh, it, a mom without insurance, like of all people to go after. Yep. And you know what? I did this shit too, where, um... 
when I had my first kid, I didn't really understand how insurance worked very well. And so eventually these bills started to come and I was like, what's up with these bills or whatever? And I called my insurance and they were like, well, you, oh, you didn't, you didn't, when, when did, when was your kid born? Like three, 90, over 90 days ago? Right. Like, I'm sorry, you missed your enrollment period Jesus. or whatever. Um, and I was like, did you guys not know that we had the kid when you started getting all the invoices for like the, the pregnancy care, the like, what do you mean? You, I didn't tell you that I had a kid. Like, you know that. You pay, you are the insurance. You've been paying <laughs> right. all the doctors for like a year. Like what? Um, and so yeah, it was like a whole rigmarole or whatever. Yeah. And we ended up paying like a ridiculous amount of money because you know then we had to enroll late or I I, I it's been so long ago I don't even remember yeah, what fucking sure. happened. But so, it sucks. Yeah, it so, sucks. So this this Chris guy in his giant thread that's not my high note right because he's some he's some strange sort of uh, like lich or something that works for the health in- industry or he's just a journalist who uh, carries water for them. Um, what- he's John Delaney's alt. <laughs> right. What, what I liked about this was all of the just thousands and thousands of responses to this thread that he made where people are going like, oh, yeah, you're going to explain how great healthcare is in this country. Like you said, Brendan, you know, tweet number one out of 26 (laughs) you know just all of the people saying like wow it seems like there would be a simpler way to do this like maybe people didn't have to worry about lack of health care in between employment you know like you know people asking him salient questions like oh one of one of your options was to get on cobra okay what if you don't have fucking like three thousand dollars for the month that you're uncovered like what happens if you have kids and you don't have three thousand dollars cash to get cobra coverage wouldn't it well, be so much have easier been born that was very rude of you to do exactly that. right so um so yeah like i said it's not it's not the highest of high notes because like these people are still out there but my high note was people aren't buying the fucking narrative anymore it's really encouraging to see a whole bunch of people and a lot of them uh with whom i'm friends on twitter jumping in there and going like wow this you you thought this was a smart thing to say you know uh, and and that's that's gonna push the narrative. That's that's what we've been talking about pretty much this entire episode about, um, you know, people getting out there and like spreading the information that like we don't have to live this way. We don't have to listen to these people who you know, have a have a vested interest in the status quo. Is it my turn? Yeah, what's uh, you know, as you're fighting the good fight out there, what's uh, what's bringing you joy this week? Besides Bernie's victory, of oh, course. Dude, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, yeah, the polling is exciting. Don't make me edit that <laughs> line, please. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Um, uh, so I guess two two small things. So I, I'm always inspired when I just you know interact with people who are like just absolutely fucking gung-ho about uh systemic change so my buddy george 
And just shout out to the band Stick to Your Guns. He's the drummer in Stick to Your Guns. They were in town. They brought Ken, Jared, and I to the show this weekend. We all hung out. We just like just talked all like they were they had a day off too. So we just like we got brunch. We like we hung out that night and then just got brunch the next day. And we just spent all like the whole weekend talking about how we meet people where they're at on leftist policies, right? So it's like these guys are super far to the left. They travel all over. They meet people of all stripes. And they just, like you know, they'll go to their merch table after the show and try to convince them on Bernie. So flashback to 2015. I meet my buddy Nick. We become friends. We meet outside the Supreme Court uh, protesting for marriage equality. At the time, he is a conservative. But he's gay, so he supports marriage equality. Um, over the past few years, I've worked on him to shift him left. And, you know, eventually he was like, okay, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to, Trump was like a big thing for him. He's like, I'm not, I'm not Republican anymore, but you know, I'm just going to be a moderate Dem. Continue, continue, continue to work. Meet him where he's at. He's from Missouri. Hey dude, I, I get, I get your perspective. Totally validating him. This weekend, George, uh, Nick and I are walking around, just, just going and doing touristy stuff. And George is just like continuing to sell him on Sanders. And this is someone who, mind you, again, a couple years ago, conservative, worked at a bank, um, had not been Democrat. Today, or yesterday rather, he sends me a picture of his absentee ballot and it's for fucking Bernie Sanders. And it's just like, it just shows like this whole idea that we just ignore people in the midwest and the great plains and write them off as racist or we write them off as lost causes is so fucking stupid because it's just all you got to do is talk to them if you refuse to even talk to them they're only going to get one side of the story and these people are not stupid but if you if they just see a, a a party ignoring them and calling them racist from 2000 miles away why would they ever want to vote for you just one last one last detail not only did he vote for sanders he got his mom his grandma and his brother to vote for sanders too a conservative family entire flip-flopped so so four votes and you know sure grand scheme of things that's small but like it's those interactions that we all can do that can lead to this kind of change right so my my question for you jordan is uh you see a lot of narrative about like the the dirtbag left the the Bernie bros, you know, they're trying to attract all of these racists into the party. The countervailing argument, I suppose, is uh, you're appealing to people's uh, material interests, right? Like you're not you're not recruiting racists into the party, right? What you're talking about is bringing people in who feel disaffected by the by by politics generally. Yeah, uh, I think. We talked about earlier, um, people are disillusioned with the with the system, that the system is not working for them. They don't trust either party. Um, so Sanders, as an outsider, as an insurgent, represents someone who might fight for them. They see some, him and his consistency as, yeah. as something that signals to them, hey, this guy actually cares about my interests. But um, that's not the same thing as, I mean, I, I know that you get this leveled at you all the time that you're, you know, you're recruiting a bunch of like racists and transphobes and homophobes dude. and stuff into the party. Yeah. Are you talking about the, and I mean, the Rogan stuff specifically, just, I wanted to fucking blow my brains out because yeah, it's sure. just like to, to, 
treat everyone as a monolith that listens to that show is so stupid to begin with, but it was never about that. It was at the end of the day, they know Rogan has a huge platform and can drive people to vote for Bernie, and that's just votes that they won't get. And that's what it was about. And that's also why they were all trying to go on his show. Because a couple weeks before he talked about it, it wasn't like he talked about it afterward. This was this was a couple weeks ago when Jimmy Dore was on Joe Rogan. Rogan was like, yeah, all these people want to want to come on the show. Warren, Biden, Pete. He's like, no, fuck those guys. And then a couple weeks later, he says, you know, maybe I'll vote for Bernie. And that's when everyone was like, no, we have this was like an opportunity to strike. Yeah. And it's funny because like Hillary, we were saying on a recent show, like she did the Stern show or whatever. Not even that long <laughs> yeah. ago. You know what I mean? Ago. Where it's like, yeah, yeah it's like. <laughs> What are we? What what is the standard here? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like it, it's it's a little bit ridiculous. Yep. Um, she went on and attacked yeah. Bernie on Howard Stern, one of like the most misogynistic radio hosts in history, and yeah. no one batted an eye. Everyone was like, "Oh yes, Queen, right. she's bringing the tea." Right. Like all this yeah, shit. Yeah, that's right. Or did you spill the tea? Right. Uh, you and, spill and the tea. a guy who spilled the tea. Sorry, would have would have Donald Trump on when Donald Trump wasn't even like popular or famous at all or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and they're, they're still friends and all that, you know, so like Dude, it's, it, it's crazy. It was never um, altruistic. It was just a cudgel. The, the double standard is a little obvious. Totally, yeah. totally. So, so the high note then, the high note is, uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just trying to like kind of bring all of these threads together. The high note is that that message, that messaging from the Bernie Sanders campaign is actually bringing in this very diverse set of people and you don't have to you don't have to apologize or uh or or say that we're going to like yeah we're we're letting a bunch of racists into the tent or whatever mm-hmm. he's talking about things that are material to people's lives and that's what's going to bring people in and that's the thing at the end of the day they know that um, they know it's not because here's he went when he went on Rogan. They being the, uh, the like the Democratic yeah. Party establishment. Yeah. Sure. When he went on Rogan, he didn't go on and like just completely do a 180. He didn't come go on and start like bashing, uh, you know, marginalized groups. He he didn't, he didn't compromise do any turf on, shit like he like yeah. uh, fucking Hillary Clinton did every yep. time she does an interview. Yep. He he went on and just said what he said for years. Didn't didn't compromise on anything and rogan was like wow i like that guy so they know that that class message intersects with people that they have been or appeals to people that they have been ignoring for years so to admit that was the cause of rogan's support of him and those voters supporting him admits that they've been on the wrong side and, and had the wrong strategy for years which they can't do and again this comes back to an issue of them trying to preserve power they don't actually sure. care. They they often use, to the detriment of marginalized communities, they often use intersectionality as a cudgel. And they're using it here to say, like, oh, by by even associating with, with, with Rogan, uh, you are forwarding the cause of, uh, you know, transphobia and this and that. Bernie's been supportive of trans rights since the fucking 80s when Elizabeth Warren was right. a fucking Republican. Give me a fucking right. break. Right. Get a grip. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, Biden was out there tweeting like, let's be clear, like trans rights or human rights or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, bro, like 
t- you Four know months ago eight years ago you were like i don't know if uh gay marriage is a good right. idea you Four know months I mean? ago like- they asked him how many genders were there and he said at least three and then he's out here tweeting like <laughs> I, we have to protect these that people a- at all costs that was a reasonable that, answer though that, that, that answer fine. is not wrong <laughs> yeah, that's not wrong but it's just like no but, but like still, still like a, a bunch of these same people you know the like the hashtag resistors the hashtag still with hers love to use like harry potter nomenclature for things but like jk rowling is like a actually turf. a like verified turf at this point so yeah. like are you really like are you in favor of trans rights yeah yeah i they, they i mean i i believe generally that everyone would be supportive, but to use this as a line of attack on Sanders when he was ahead of them by like decades is just yeah. so fucking absurd. Yeah, and again, totally. that's that's the kind of what I'm talking about. They're not actually coming from a, a well-meaning place. They're trying to attack him based on like associations. Right. And again, right. well, they all want to go on the show. The real the real way to support trans rights is to just watch the polls. You know, wait until they hit that tipping point. And then just be like, I, that's what I've been saying this whole right, time. Right, yeah, totally. That's the, that's the genius move. Ah, exactly. the Obama move, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, there, I, I was, someone tweeted at me a timepiece from 2016, early 2016, which is so obviously a Clinton oppo dr- uh, uh, dump. Yeah. And it was like, Bernie Sanders' record on LGBT issues is not so cut and dry. And, (laughs) oh, this is hilarious. And the article is like, well, yeah, sure, he was uh, light years ahead of uh, everyone else. But he didn't speak about it publicly until 2008. And it's like, wait a minute. He voted against DOMA in 95. Yeah. like That's just fundamentally fucking not true. He created a gay pride parade in the 80s. Do you need what do you need? You need something like this is the thing. This is what it comes down to. Like he's not virtue signaling the right way. And that's what like they're they're trying to hammer him on. Oh, he doesn't have the proper terminology. He won't signal and posture the right way in like the most up to date way. They're using that to insinuate that he has like actual malice toward these communities when really right. he was ahead of them by fucking decades. Yeah. All right, Jordan, what's the <laughs> yeah. what's what okay. If we're gonna make this a high note. What's your big, like, positive takeaway from all of this? That everybody's reachable and Bernie Sanders can and will win if we reach out to people who the Democratic Party has been ignoring and say, hey, we're with you. We hear your issues. Class connects us all. We're all in this together. Ignore all these artificial divides. Like, we are in this together and we can make a better tomorrow. Fucking nailed it. (laughs) Hell yeah. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah, Jordan Yule, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. Um, uh, thank love- you so much. Um, of course. Yeah, oh, man, we love you too. Uh, where can we? Uh, where, where can our listeners find you? What do you, What do you want to plug? Uh, I actually have something new to plug. Okay. So, so Rob Rousseau, if you guys know him, sure. He and yeah, I- he just followed me back on Twitter, and I sent him a DM, and I was like, seriously, after like three fucking years, you finally follow me back. <laughs> He and I have wanted to work together on something, like anything, for the past couple years, and we finally yeah. came up with something. So we're going to launch a a new show and newsletter, but the newsletter is going to be kind of almost like a study guide um, with some help from Aida Chavez and Ken Klippenstein called mm. the, Ins- the Insurgents, and we're going to try to help people make sense of the primary from a leftist perspective. 
Um, and, you know, at the end of the election season, if there's enough support, maybe pivot into something else. But just we need strong leftist independent media like you guys have. And then also serving as a catalyst, you know, a rising tide lift all, lifts all boats. So helping shows like Liquid Flannel and, and like other sh- like leftist independent podcasts and shows and newsletters, helping everybody grow. So we're going to launch that next week called The Insurgents. Uh, you can follow Rob. You can follow me. Um, and yeah, we'd, we'd love to partner with you guys. And Terrific. Again, rising tide lifts all boats. boats and uh, leftists, we got to stick together on this kind of stuff. Hell yeah. No, it sounds outstanding. Um, in, in the meantime, if you want to follow our show, we're at liquid underscore flannel on Twitter. Um, we got bonus episodes on Patreon if you want to. Uh, just throw us it, it's just a buck a month um, to get our bonus episodes that's uh, patreon.com slash uh, liquid flannel pod uh, I'm Matthew Hodges on Twitter at Matt the Great with W Brendan Williams I'm at Brendan Williams with one L and uh, once again Jordan Ewell uh, just absolutely it's it's always a fucking treat to have you on the show so thanks so much man of course I, I love coming on so anytime guys yeah alright cool everybody we will uh, we'll see you next week Cool.